Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Hello again, friends, and welcome into Gamecock Central Radio. Bowl preview today, the Belk Bowl coming up Saturday in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. Gamecocks against the Virginia Cavaliers, and here to talk about it with us today, Brad Franklin, the publisher of CavsCorner.com. That's our Rivals Network partner. Brad covers Virginia sports for CavsCorner.com, and he will bring us the Virginia perspective today. Brad, good to have you today. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you? Everything's good. Hope you had a good Christmas, and we're starting to uh, you know get ready for – Really the best part of bowl season here, starting with the 26th, the bowl games start to ramp up. The quality of the games improves, and we'll have South Carolina and Virginia in Charlotte in the Belk Bowl on Saturday. Gamecocks currently a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is right now at 53-and-a-half. Both teams seven and five coming in. Both teams four and four in league play. Brad, I spoke with Wes Mitchell with Gamecock Central when the bowl pairings were announced, and we talked about the fact that Virginia – was picked to finish dead last by the media in the Coastal Division, and the Cavaliers end up finishing tied for third at 4-4 four and four in the league. So a 7-5 and five season, third place finish in the Coastal, and a trip to the Belt Bowl. That sounds like a pretty good year for Virginia football. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think, you know, if, if, I, if I remember back to, you know, July, August, you know, I was one of the few who was, you know, not necessarily, you know, thinking Virginia was going to be in contention for a Coastal Division title for, you know, most of the fall, but... Uh, I, I thought Bryce Perkins, what I saw from him in the spring, I, I thought Virginia had a chance to be pretty good and at least good enough to not just get back to the postseason, but maybe to win a couple more games um, than the Cavaliers did last season. And ultimately, you know, if you think about it, they, they finished the year, like you said, seven and five. Those last two, two of those five were overtime games on the road that you could probably make a pretty good, compelling argument they should have won. Um, you know, so they had a chance to have an even you know, an even more special season. Um, but at this point, just getting to bowl games is, is a nice step in the right direction. To, to say, you know, to say games plural is a, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Virginia has not had uh, a great deal of football success. Um, you know, even when it has been successful, it's been fleeting. Uh, the Cavaliers have been, you know, in the dweller. Um, you know, they've been in the, they, they've been in, they, they've been in the bottom of, of this coastal division team. So you can't really blame, you know, my media brethren here in the ACC for picking them as such. I just think that everybody doubted Bryce Perkins, and he ended up being pretty special. And that defense was maybe about a half step or a step above what a lot of folks thought it would be. Um, and they and they just, you know, I think they were just consistent, and that's not something we've seen from, from Virginia football over the years. Emerson Phillips with Brad Franklin here from CavsCorner.com, previewing the Belt Bowl coming up Saturday. Noon kickoff on ABC in Charlotte. You talked about Bryce Perkins, Brad, the quarterback for Virginia, 2,400 passing yards and over 800 yards on the ground. He threw for 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions, but he also ran for nine TDs. So tell us about the Virginia offense. Obviously, it centers 
around Perkins. Talk about scheme for the Virginia offense. Yeah, so it's a it's a it's got some spread concepts with a sort of a, um, a, a, a more of a I guess a what, what you could call a dual threat system. So really, what they want to do is they want to spread you out. They want to use Bryce Perkins to either run or throw. A um, lot of focus on 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 the guys in the slot. That'll be Alameda Zacchaeus, um, senior wide receiver from Philadelphia. Broke the uh, school record for receptions uh, earlier this season, and he's just been an, an extremely productive player in his career, Charles. So he is, by and large, uh, if, if, if Bryce Perkins isn't carrying the load for that offense, it's going to be Alameda. Zacchaeus is he's quick. Um, he's, he's kind of a perfect fit for what they want to do in terms of whether it's getting the ball in space, you know, out in the flat, whether it's jet sweeps, whether it's running the ball, a um, little bit of everything with him. Um, Perkins, does, I mean, there, there are some design runs, but a lot of it is, you know, um, re, re, run pass option stuff, reads at the line. Um, you know, he, he doesn't do a lot of, you know, option stuff, though that was something that we saw a lot more of in the spring. I, I think the coaching staff, maybe because of the, the offensive line and the, the sort of um, – transition that they still are in and that with that group um they just still haven't they haven't felt real comfortable running a lot of that uh perkins broke a a finger on his throwing hand uh against louisville early in the season he seems to have um you know he seems to have adapted well with it but every once in a while you can see an errant throw uh, a little bit too high a little bit too wide what have you um by and large he's you know he's been really consistent this year what you see from him game to game is exactly what you can expect and that's been a um, that's been a godsend for for Robert and I, the offensive coordinator. He, they had a lot of success with with this style um, when they were at BYU with Taysom Hill um, and a and I think a really nice but not necessarily um, star studded group of receivers. This is a more talented um, offensive um, group uh, maybe than they've had in their in their past. And I think Perkins is a big reason why he's a he de- he's, he's he's extremely quick. When he turns the corner, he does not he's not a quarterback who runs. He's a running back, but he. He also, I think, has a really good feel for the game. And, um, you know, when, they, when, a, when a nine is being aggressive, which is what we saw, for, you know, allowed them to take leads in Atlanta and in Blacksburg, they were good. When they were passive, which is what allowed them to lose leads in Atlanta and Blacksburg, they, they struggle. And so I think offensively, like I said, they want to spread you out a little bit. Um, not real big on tempo, but they, they'll do it sometimes. But by and large, it's, it's going to be Bryce Perkins. It's going to be what he is able to generate both on the ground and through the air. That'll be the offense for the day. Brad, running back Jordan Ellis, a very solid season. He needs 80 yards in this belt ball game against South Carolina to reach 1,000 yards for the season, nine TDs on the year for Ellis. So a good compliment in the backfield to Bryce Perkins. Yeah, he, you know, and Jay, he's a good, good kid. Probably the hardest working guy, you know, in the program. Virginia makes you um, one of the things that Bronco Mendenhall brought with him or at least started once he got in trouble was, you know, you, you have to earn your number. You don't – it's not a by default. You have to – in order to get the number you want, you got to put it out there on the field and, and be chosen by your teammates to, to select. And so Ellis has actually been the person who selects first the last two years, which kind of speaks to not just his work ethic, but also what his teammates think of him. He is a, he's a workhorse. Um, you know, he's a short, kind of stocky uh, kid. He, he, he's a little bit of a bowling ball, and a lot of the, the times that he's most effective are in those sort of situations. I mentioned earlier the offensive line is still somewhat in transition, but realistically – what Jay can give you on the ground is sort of, I don't want to say it's, um, it's gravy, but in a lot of senses it is because whatever he's able to generate in the run game, that's, that takes that much more pressure off of Perkins while also allowing the offense to, to throw the ball a little bit more. And so whatever Ellis gives them is a bonus, but realistically, um, you know, they're going to look at him in short yardage stuff. They're not going to pound the rock by any stretch. It's going to be um, really about 
what he can sort of generate on his own rather than them giving him enough touches to sort of generate it over the course of the game. I was looking at some of Virginia's stats on CavsCorner.com, and Perkins spread the football around very nicely. He's got a receiver with seven TDs, he's got one with six, and he's got one with five touchdown catches. So he spread it around quite nicely. Didn't really have a favorite target, and that led to a, a very balanced Virginia offense that produced 211 passing yards per game, and the Cavs ran the football even better, 170 yards a ball game. So you mentioned the strength of Virginia. The defense was very good this year, Brad, and I wanted to get you to talk about that side of the football for the Cavaliers. Juan Thornhill's got five picks to lead the ball club, but pass rush could be a concern, or am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. I think they've been chasing the ghosts on the defensive line all season long, right? They they had a bunch of defensive linemen who – for whatever reason, uh, did not return. Um, a couple medical retirements, a couple of kids kicked off the team. They went into the season super thin on the defensive line. Kid they converted from tight end, kidding Richard Burney, was playing well through the first three games of the season, developed a medical condition, which has not still, to this, to this time, has not been talked about publicly, but basically ended the season almost as, as soon as it began and put even more pressure uh, on that defensive front. And I'll be, I'll be real honest with you, I'm still, I'm, sure, I'm shocked and surprised that they played as well as they did considering the lack of experience and the lack of talent on that front. I thought that they were really, they, they were opportunistic in terms of how they created a pass rush. Chris Keith, outside linebacker, senior, led the ACC in, in sacks a year ago among that position. Teams adapted to him. And Charles Snowden on the other side, really rangy, six foot five, six six kid at linebacker. Um, he, he, he not only can cause some havoc, if you look at the pro football focus numbers, he's and his, he, he's the, by far the, the one guy on that side uh, for Virginia who, who generates a good pass rush. But he's also a terror when it comes to knocking down passes. I mean, he's got like a seven-foot wingspan. So he's, he's basically like a small forward of a basketball team out there um, rushing the passer. But it's this secondary that really is the, um, the bell cow for this defense. Um, you mentioned Thornhill. But really, he and Bryce Hall, who is a, a junior quarterback, Arrived at UVA as a two-star wide receiver, and in short order, they turned him into one of the premier cornerbacks in the league, and if not the country. I w- I'm going to be surprised if he comes back to school and decides not to forego his senior year and head to the NFL. I think he's a first-round draft pick if he does, but he has just he has been an absolute um, lockdown, shutdown defender all season long. Um, it got to the point where people, when you would see a, a team throw at him or throw at him, and even in his direction, you wonder what they, what they were thinking. I, I think I, I can only remember him giving up one pass all season. It was in the Virginia Tech game. And really it was an interception, and the guy just happened to fall right um, and so that the, the guy wrestled the ball away. But it's between those two and then Tim Harris is a senior cornerback, another guy with some size and, and skill on the other side. That secondary, was what we thought was going to be a strength um, going into the season, and, and I think that Virginia fans in, in general did as well. They didn't play that way the first few weeks, but they really come on maybe the last seven, eight weeks of the season. So that's a group um, that I'm really excited to see face, you know, this South Carolina offense, face, face Jake Bentley, even without Debo Samuel. I'm really curious to see what the secondary can do because I think if Virginia's going to win this game, it's going to have to be because that secondary played well. And, and, that you know, I mentioned earlier consistency. That's really what this program's been striving for, and that's certainly, a, a you know, a focal point for the defense, especially when it comes to, you know, being able to defend the pass. South Carolina, Virginia in the Belt Bowl coming up Saturday at noon on ABC. It's in Charlotte. Both teams seven and five. Both teams four and four in conference play. Virginia with wins over Richmond, Ohio, Louisville, Miami, Duke, North Carolina, and Liberty. Losses to Indiana, NC State, Pitt, 
Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, both those games coming at the end of the year. And, Brad, Virginia did lose their last two, and they lost three of their last four. But the two losses on the road at the end of the season to Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech were both by only a field goal. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem they have is it, it's, all about the, uh, it's all about the red zone scoring to me. You know, this is an offense that when they get near the 20, everything's changing. They, I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know if it's, you know, the, 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 the options are just limited. But, but if they're forced to, to sustain drives, you know, go 11, 12, 13 plays, they have some issues because they're going to end up in a, you know, a first and, a first and goal from the eight or a, a first and 10 from the 17. And, and they seem to struggle getting the ball into the end zone in those situations. Um, in fact, if you, if you look at those last two losses, you could probably point to directly red zone score and lack of it. Um, you know, field goals are great, but you need touchdowns, especially, you know, on the road or late in the year. In this kind of game, they're not only going to need to score, you know, touchdowns. I think they're going to need to score them in abundance. And, and I think that, um, you know, they, those two losses were a perfect sort of microcosm for, to me about what, what, a, what a program and growth looks like, right? Because that's an offensive coaching staff who, who, who is, who's installed some good schemes and made some good calls, but still doesn't trust the talent yet. Guys still not executing, not making enough plays at the right time um, to get there. Perkins, you know, his elusiveness and his ability to scramble, you know, he keeps a lot of things alive and he is, for lack of a better description, uh, you know, to cliche, but he is the, the straw that stirs the drink. Um, they've got to be able to, to turn that into a, into a matchup positive for them. They haven't done that enough this year, especially with Zacchaeus. And so I think that in this kind of game, what Virginia has to figure out a way to do, and, and if you're and if you're gonna if you're gonna win it, this it, it's imperative. They've got to not just score touchdowns in the red zone, but they've got to make the most of their opportunities when they have the ball. Because realistically, that South Carolina offense is going to eat. The question is just how much. And, and I think for Virginia to keep pace, Cavaliers going to have to make good, you know, which means you know those stupid false start penalties holds. You got to cut down on those, and that's been an improvement this year for Virginia over last year. The question is always going to come down to you know, execution in the moment. We saw what Virginia did last year in the military bowl. <laughs> you know, that thing went sideways on them in a hurry. I, I don't think the, it's not going to be nine degrees uh, and freezing in Charlotte on Saturday, the way it was in Annapolis a year ago, but this offense still needs to figure out a way to generate points. Yeah. Good weather forecast for Saturday. So that's uh, good for both teams. And, Interesting also, Brad, that both coaches are in their third seasons. Will Muschamp, year three with the Gamecocks. Bronco Mendenhall, also in year three with the Virginia Cavaliers. So, I think the feeling here in Columbia, much of the run-up to the bowl game has been that strength of schedule could be an area where the Gamecocks may have an advantage. Brad, let's get your thoughts on that. You know, I don't think the impression of the ACC is very strong. Obviously, South Carolina fans – Respect Clemson. Don't may not like Clemson, but respect Clemson. Clemson's beaten the Gamecocks five years in a row. But I think the perception in South Carolina is that outside of Clemson, the ACC just doesn't have much. I think that's fair. I, you know, Clemson was such a you know juggernaut at times, and, and certainly the the Coastal Division specifically just was not uh, was not much to write home about. Virginia Tech was down. Um, you know, Pitt, Georgia Tech, um, Duke. None of those teams you know really strike much fear in you. NC State was probably the, the best team on Virginia's schedule, um, and, 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 and they certainly haven't had you know, the type of season that maybe they could have had. Uh, I guess the biggest disappointment of the group would be Miami. That, that win over Miami looked a lot nicer earlier in the season than it does today. Yeah. You know, Mark Rick has really struggled with that two-quarterback deal. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that this is going to be the best team uh, that Virginia has seen all season. 
Um, and it's certainly going to be the most athletic, uh, most physical team Virginia's seen all the season. As Chris Peace told me a couple weeks ago, you're going to have to bring your big boy pad in this one. Um, so I think we're, but it's, it's interesting because I think going in as the underdog is a good look for UVA. Um, Cavaliers just haven't really carried the, um, you know, the, the sort of expectations well. But, but I think, you know, us against the world is a, is a good motivating factor, especially for a group that, you know, last year got blown out in this bowl game by a team that was not nearly as talented. A lot of that had to do with focus and prep. Uh, and so I think South Carolina was, was you know, and then coming from the SEC and, you know, maybe, maybe the Gamecocks didn't have the season that they wanted to have, but they certainly have Virginia's attention. And that certainly was, you know, set the tone, I think, throughout bowl practices and especially leading up to the game. South Carolina, five-and-a-half-point favorite over Virginia Saturday at noon on ABC for the Belk Bowl in Charlotte. You mentioned before we started the podcast today that Virginia fans are excited to be in this bowl game. They're happy to be going to Charlotte to the Belk Bowl where they have had success in the past. In fact, Virginia played in both of the first two Belk Bowls and won them both. So, Virginia fans happy to be in a bowl and happy to be heading to Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, and they haven't won a bowl game in 13 years. They've only been to two in the last 10. You know, they've uh, this is a this is a step in the right direction, and, and I think getting a, a test like this against an SEC team is a big deal for UVA, and certainly um, I, I think is a uh, is a nice measuring stick for the program. Okay. You know, I think going down to, to, to Charlotte and get beat, I don't think anybody's going to you know cry in their beer, but at the same time, I, I think that a win could be a substantial positive for this team. They recruited really well. They just finished up with a top 35-ish class in, in, in rivals ranking. So, you know, they, I think that the line is about what it should be. I think, you know, if you're a betting person, you know, you got to expect South Carolina to win this and probably win it by about a touch. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Virginia's defense, you know, give, give South Carolina some problems, especially as they adjust to life without uh, Samuel. But my question is going to be, can, can Bryce Perkins and, and, the, uh, and the offense really generate enough points and they keep the ball? Um, you know, they did a nice job of that against Georgia Tech in Atlanta, uh, you know, being able to, to keep that straight. But at, at this point, I think you sort of have to expect the game to come out on top. Brad, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Virginia basketball team. Virginia Cavaliers, number one in the nation in the coaches' poll right now, number four in the AP, and uh, the Cavs just came to Columbia and gave the Gamecocks a pretty good whooping at the Colonial Life Arena. So, I, you know, when, I, when we started the podcast, I asked you right before we began if everybody in Charlottesville is more interested in basketball right now, and you said, well, yeah, maybe so, but folks are still interested in the belt bowl. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, Virginia fans, in, in terms of what Tony Bennett has built there, they sort of expect to be, you know, it's weird to say this out loud, but I think they expect, you know, to be among the best teams in the country. And after what happened to them in the NCAA tournament last year, I don't think fans are super. I don't want to say they're not plugged into the to the basketball program right now, but they understand that you know what happens in December and even January doesn't really matter uh, in the big scheme of things. They had their hearts broken in in, in the worst way possible uh, last March, and so yeah, I think they're 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 really focused on this bowl game for obvious reasons. But you know, it's it, it it's it's been interesting to watch what Tony has built and then sort of sustained in a place where a lot of people didn't think it was possible after you know the, you, you go back to the Ralph Sampson days and. Um, and that's great, but that's that's really generated by one player. This is generated by one program, and so I think you know what folks saw that you know of, of that matchup with UVA uh, you know a week or so ago, like that that's that's still not as good as this team can be. And I think a lot of folks, a lot of fans, uh, are really expecting to see you know when they take the next step. Um, you know when guys start to click, uh, and, you, and we see this team be as you know such a touch of potential, um, it'll be markedly better. And so I think a lot of people are sort of waiting for that. And in the meantime. 
focused on this bowl game. Certainly excited about what's going to happen in Charlotte this weekend. Brad, is there any talk in Virginia at all about the fact that South Carolina and Virginia were both in the ACC together for many years? You know, South Carolinians, we're big on our heritage, and a lot of folks around here remember the ACC days, remember when Virginia was an annual opponent in all sports. Uh, obviously, that's not the case anymore, and I think it's largely forgotten about for younger generations, but I think fans over 50 uh, in South Carolina – still remember when the Gamecocks were in the ACC and that's still being talked about around here a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting sort of, uh, not just the fact that, you know, there's the ACC and uh, connection and the fact that this game is in Charlotte and, you know, there's the, the regional aspect, but also to the fact that these two teams just played in basketball. So, you know, I feel like I've been having to check myself a lot as I've written, you know, content for both of those games, trying to make sure I know which one of the games I'm talking about. But there is some familiarity there, and I, honestly, I would love to see Virginia and South Carolina play more often. I think mm-hmm. it's a perfect sort of opportunity for, for 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 South Carolina to play a team, you know, like I said, an ACC Coastal team. You're not really, I don't want to say, too terribly worried about, but you know, as they're as they're sort of getting it together, you know, a nice measuring stick to play the SEC and um, regional, you know, re- regional games like this that make a lot of sense. Um, you know, this is a series that, you know, during the grow days was there, but, uh, you know, would be interested to see it coming back. And especially, like you said, because of that history, um, because ultimately I, I think it would be good for both schools. Um, and certainly I'm really interested to see how this one plays out. But that history angle and certainly the other sort of uh, storylines that are kind of abound with these two teams, um, it does make the, it does make this thing a little bit juicier and, and certainly uh, uh, driving a lot of, uh, of excitement about this belt ball. Noon kick at Bank of America Stadium coming up on Saturday in Charlotte. It'll be televised by ABC. Gamecocks have never lost a game at Bank of America Stadium. The Cavaliers have had success there as well over the years. So it should be a good one. Brad, uh, just wanted to pass along that uh, University of Virginia, very well respected in the state of South Carolina, not only for its athletic department, but as a fine academic institution. So thank you for your time today. Glad to be here, man. Have a good one. We'll see you Saturday. Thank you. That's Brad Franklin with CavsCorner.com. He's the publisher of CavsCorner.com, our Rivals Network partner. And I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for joining us for the Belt Bowl Preview on Gamecock Central Radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.